This is Garrison Harney with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Friday, August 12th, 2022. Hey, to those of you coming out for Grace Agenda, welcome to Moscow. Make sure you stop by our Cross Politic booth and say hello. I'll be there along with Anna and uh, get yourself some merch. And before we get into the news, do you have a podcast or thinking about starting one? Does your church have a podcast feed for sermons? The dropwave.io is for you. Cancel culture is like walking on a thin glass bridge over the Grand Canyon. Every step you take could get you killed. I mean canceled. Yeah. Since the beginning of Cross Politic, we've been working on being anti-fragile, so no matter what happens, our content can still be delivered to your TV and to your podcast. This last year, the Waterboy and his friend Jeremy have been working on building a podcast hosting solution for rowdy platforms like Cross Politic, so that you can be confident your podcast will never fall through that glass bridge. Dropwave offers seamless onboarding for shows that have been around for years, so it's easy to use, as well as easy-to-use solutions for starting your own podcast. Dropwave will track all of your show's downloads by city, state, and country, and it offers network and enterprise packages for solutions like the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Free to speak, free to podcast, free to start your journey now at www.dropwave.io. That's www.dropwave.io. Now, y'all remember Twitter, right? Well, Twitter's back in the news. Twitter rolls out plans to, uh, quote, protect U.S. midterm elections and suppress misleading information. That sounds familiar. Twitter has rolled out some new terms, eh, not so new terms, and policies ahead of the 2022 midterm elections, during which the Republican Party is expected to overtake the Democrats to earn a majority in the U.S. House. The election is seen as a barometer of how the Biden administration and their leadership has performed since taking office, and so far, the pressure is definitely on. These changes are in addition to those made in the lead-up of the 2020 presidential election in which Twitter suppression and censorship of information played a key role in misinforming the public. Twitter is stepping up to bolster their terms and prevent misinformation, that catch-all concept for anything that goes against the Democrat-driven narrative. As such, they've announced steps we're taking ahead of the U.S. midterms to protect civic conversation on Twitter. That's what they announce, at least. As they've done in international elections, Twitter is now activating enforcement of their civic integrity policy for the 2022 U.S. midterms. Twitter states that their civic integrity policy covers the most common types of harmful, misleading information about elections and civic elections, which include false claims and about how, where, uh, about how and where to vote. Voter intimidation and misleading claims intended to undermine public confidence in an election, which includes false information about the outcome of the election. You know, like January 6th, apparently. When Twitter mods encounter information they believe comes under the harmful, misleading information category, they will not Uh, They will not recommend or amplify this content and will provide a prompt prior to liking or sharing labeled tweets. And in cases where there is potential for harm associated with a false or misleading claim, the tweet may not be liked or shared to prevent the spread of the misleading information. Unbelievable. In the lead-up to the presidential election in 2020, Twitter suppressed and censored reporting by the New York Post that tied then-candidate Joe Biden to his son Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings with insinuations and allegations of influence and peddling. 
Twitter believed reports coming out of the Biden campaign and other sources that claimed the information had been obtained through hacking, a disallowable practice, or was, quote, Russian disinformation. This suppression had an impact on the U.S. presidential election, potentially skewing results in Biden's favor as polls later indicated. So, well, Twitter's got to stay relevant somehow. Now, some breaking news today. Uh, Merrick Garland confirms... He personally approved the Mar-a-Lago raid and refuses to take questions. In a Thursday press briefing, United States Attorney General Merrick Garland confirmed that he personally approved of the FBI raid at former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and announced that the Justice Department has filed a motion to unseal the search warrant. Garland told the public that, quote, I personally approved the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter noting that the Justice Department does not take a decision like this lightly. Good afternoon. Since I became Attorney General, I have made clear that the Department of Justice will speak through its court filings and its work. Just now, the Justice Department has filed a motion in the Southern District of Florida to unseal a search warrant and property receipt relating to a court-approved search that the FBI conducted earlier this week. That search was of premises located in Florida belonging to the former president. The department did not make any public statements on the day of the search. The former president publicly confirmed the search that evening, as is his right. Copies of both the warrant and the FBI property receipt were provided on the day of the search to the former president's counsel, who was on site during the search. The search warrant was authorized by a federal court upon the required finding of probable cause. The property receipt is a document that federal law requires law enforcement agents to leave with the property owner. The department filed the motion to make public the warrant and receipt in light of the former president's public confirmation of the search, the surrounding circumstances, and the substantial public interest in this matter. Faithful adherence to the rule of law is the bedrock principle of the Justice Department and of our democracy. Upholding the rule of law means applying the law evenly, without fear or favor. Under my watch, that is precisely what the Justice Department is doing. All Americans are entitled to the even-handed application of the law, to due process of the law, and to the presumption of innocence. Much of our work is by necessity conducted out of the public eye. We do that to protect the constitutional rights of all Americans and to protect the integrity of our investigations. Federal law, longstanding department rules, and our ethical obligations prevent me from providing further details as to the basis of the search at this time. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. Where possible, it is standard practice to seek less intrusive means as an alternative to a search and to narrowly scope any search that is undertaken. Third, 
let me address recent unfounded attacks on the professionalism of the FBI and Justice Department agents and prosecutors. I will not stand by silently when their integrity is unfairly attacked. The men and women of the FBI and the Justice Department are dedicated, patriotic public servants. Every day, they protect the American people from violent crime, terrorism, and other threats to their safety while safeguarding our civil rights. They do so at great personal sacrifice and risk to themselves. I am honored to work alongside them. This is all I can say right now. Garland has about as much spine as a jellyfish. And can I just ask, where were the FBI raids when Hillary Clinton deleted over 30,000 emails and literally got an ambassador and numerous contractors killed in Benghazi? Where's the FBI been when all the names and allegations came out about Jeffrey Epstein? Oh, by the way, Bill Clinton was on that list. You know, the flight list to his perverted sex island. How about the Biden family? How about Hunter Biden's laptop? How about him spending money on hookers? And their shady business dealings with China? Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be praying that our Lord would continue to shine a light in the darkness of our wicked government and tear down the high places. Ah, rant over. And before we move on to our next story, make sure you educate your kids away from our government schools. One way to do that would be classical conversations. Classical Conversations supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical Christ-centered curriculum, local like-minded communities across the United States and in several countries. They train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit their website at classicalconversations.com. Again, that's classicalconversations.com. Now, uh, speaking of getting back into the news, the CDC is back in the news with new guidance. The CDC ends tests to stay for schools and relaxes COVID rules. With the coronavirus continuing to spread widely throughout the country, this is from NPR, by the way, so if it sounds woke, there it is. Americans are getting new advice from the federal health officials on how to live with the virus. The revised guidance released by the Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention on Thursday lifts the requirement to quarantine if exposed to the virus, de-emphasizes screening people with no symptoms, and updates COVID-19 protocols in schools, eliminating a recommendation for tests to stay after potential exposure. From the CDC, this guidance acknowledges that the pandemic is not over, but also helps us Oh, gosh, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm triggered. But also helps us move to a point where COVID-19 no longer severely disrupts our daily lives. So the pandemic's over. The CDC's Greta Massetti said in a statement, We know that COVID-19 is here to stay, she added, like a bunch of other viruses around the world. I, I, I added that part. Uh, she added in comments during a briefing with reporters. The update isn't necessarily a huge overhaul of the existing guidance, but it does represent an increasing focus on individuals making their own decisions, like it always should have been. That was me. Again. Anyways, making their own decisions about their level of risk and how they want to mitigate that risk, said Dr. Marcus Pieska, chief medical officer for the Association of State and Territorial Health Officials. Quote, 
That is consistent with where we are in the pandemic right now, he said. I don't really think there are many state or local jurisdictions that are feeling that they're going to need to start making mandates, end quote. Yeah, knock on wood. It also brings the recommendations for unvaccinated people in line with people who are fully vaccinated. In acknowledgement of the high levels of population immunity, (laughs) you don't say in the U.S. They're starting to sound like scientists. Due to vaccination, past COVID-19 infections or both, based on the latest data, is around 95% of the population, Massetti said. And so it really makes sense, the most sense, to not differentiate since many people have some protection against severe disease. The changes could have come of the biggest impact in K-12 schools. The guidance eliminates the strategy known as Test to Stay, a schedule of testing for people that were exposed to the coronavirus but not up to date with their vaccinations. That allowed them to continue in-person learning so as long as they continue to test negative and show no symptoms. The test-to-stay protocol has been an alternative alternative to quarantine for school, so now the practice of handling exposures would involve masking rather than quarantine, Massetti said. Oh, my goodness. You have no idea how frustrating that last article was to read, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Now, before we go, it's time for my favorite topic, sports. I had an email sent in to me by a daily news brief listener named Jeremiah Liedenfrost. Jeremiah, I hope I pronounced your last name right. Uh, It's titled Joe DiMaggio. The email reads, Hey Garrison, I found this newspaper in a house remodel from 1937 talking about Joe DiMaggio. The newspapers were stapled to the inside of the siding as insulation. I thought I would show you this since you like sports. Enjoy. Jeremiah Liedenfrost. Jeremiah, thank you for that, by the way. Uh, and for those of you who want to send in stories to me, uh, you can do so at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. Anyways, now on the newspaper, it reads, Joe DiMaggio, the sensational sophomore outfielder of the world champion New York Yankees, came uh, today came to terms for the 1937 season. Colonel Jacob Ruppert, owner of the club, announced that DiMaggio had accepted the club's offer understood to call for a salary of, get ready, $15,000. That's crazy. $15,000. And an increase of pay of $6,500 over last year's pay to the youthful slugger. He got paid under ten grand for his first season. Right now, the Yankees have a guy on their roster, uh, Carlos Stanton, I think making over $400 million over 10 years or something like that. Just to give you an idea. For those of you who don't know about Joe DiMaggio, Nick's name, Jolton Joe, the Yankee Clipper, and Joe D. He was an American baseball center fielder who played his entire 13 career in in Major League Baseball for the New York Yankees. Born to Italian Sicilian immigrants in California, he's widely considered one of the greatest baseball players of all time and had a 56-game hitting streak May 15th to July 16th in 1941, a record that still stands. Off the field, Gabe told me he was also known for his marriage to Marilyn Monroe. It didn't go well. The union was troubled from the start by DiMaggio's jealousy and controlling attitude. He was also physically abusive. A violent fight between the couple occurred immediately after the skirt-blowing scene in the seven-year itch that was filmed on September 14, 1954, in front of Manhattan's Translux 52nd Street Theater. Then 20th Century Fox's East Coast correspondent, Bill Corbin, told the 
Palm Springs Desert Sun that it was director Billy Wilder's idea to turn the shoot into a media circus. The couple then had a yelling battle in the theater lobby. After returning from New York City to Hollywood in October 1954, Monroe filed for divorce from DiMaggio after only nine months of marriage. What a happy ending. Anyways, the more you know. Folks, find yourselves a good man or woman to stand by you and stand on God's promises. Otherwise, you'll end up like them. Thanks for turning into this cross-politic daily news brief on the Cheerio. If you like the show, share it far and wide. And if you'd like to sign up for a club membership, sign up for our conference, or sign up for our magazine, you can do all of that at fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you'd like to send me a news story, ask about our conference, or become a corporate partner of CrossPolitics, let's talk. Email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For CrossPolitics News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great day, and Lord bless.